hey, welcome to Midtown West. If you are joining us for the first time, we are walking through the book of Revelation and uh, very thankful to do that because I know some of us have zero experience with Revelation. Some of us have some bad experience with Revelation and some maybe some light young adult reading from our uh, earlier years that helped us understand Revelation in a different way. Uh, but we are uh, studying the book and uh, Lord willing is more helpful and encouraging and on, and on point than some of those old stories that some of us may have. But I was thinking about what we are getting into this week and uh, it made me think about this week at our house, we took apart one of our boys, had a, a, a huge bunk bed that's like a full bed on the bottom and a, a bunk on the top. And this thing is super heavy. We, we got a new bed and so this is coming apart and coming down and going to somebody else. And it just struck me that this huge thing came apart and was dismantled by this. And then I started thinking, what else this thing could do? And I started thinking about Ikea. <laughs> like, the thousands upon thousands of square feet of this mega corporation could just be dismantled with this one little Allen wrench. And every Fugish bird bed and table uh, stands no chance. And I was thinking about this, though, as a picture of like this little tool, uh, those, every piece of furniture there is made for this little tool. And no matter how big or how small a piece of furniture is, it can be dismantled or built up with, with just this. And um, I was thinking about that because this week, you know, if you've been with us, John has been, you know, the, the book of Revelation is a revealing, revealing of things unseen, pulling back the curtain. Uh, it is a revelation of Jesus. Who is this Jesus who, who we saw live and die on this earth and was raised from the dead, but now lives in heaven? And now he is glorious, and he is uh, a Jesus that we cannot see with our, our eyes. We have to see, um, he has to reveal to us. And what is happening in God's world? What is this kingdom of God that he always talked about, that he is still talking about, that is coming to bear on this world? This, the kingdom, uh, as the song says, the kingdom of this world has become the kingdom of our Christ. It is the, the new heavens, the new earth, breaking in on the kingdom of this world that opposes everything of God. And so uh, John, one of the disciples, um, Jesus' beloved, uh, was a prisoner on this island of Patmos, and uh, he was just sent to this Roman prison island to do forced labor as an old man. And this is where he's going to spend out the rest of his days on earth. And so while he is here, he's worshiping, he is seeking, and the Lord is meeting him. And he receives what is revelation. What is this revealing by God of Jesus, uh, revealing by Jesus uh, of what is to come and what is now. And so that's what we've been studying and. And the last few weeks, John has talked about this vision that he's had where he's caught up in this vision and he is taken in this vision into the very throne room of God. And now as we're in chapter 10, um, he is receiving another vision, uh, but he is back on earth. He's back on this prison island of Patmos where things are not as they should be, where he is suffering and others are suffering because of this good news of God's love for people in Jesus Christ. He's here suffering on this island, and he's wondering what is happening. And um, 
And what, like, Lord, will you help me? Like, how do I make sense of this, that you are the king of the universe, and here I find myself on this prison island suffering? And so God sends John, this angel, and, uh, and the angel gives him something very small, uh, very small to sustain him and to do his work and to do the very thing that God's called him to while he's on this, this prison island. Um, and so I'm going to call up, who's reading our scripture this morning? Come on up. Dylan Murphy. Um, Dylan, I know this, is, uh, this has part of chapter 11. Let's just read chapter 10. So right Stop. through here. Yeah, okay. thanks. Me, Re- Revelation chapter 10. Revelation 10, 1 through 11. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head. And his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. When he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. And the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay. But that in the days of the trumpet, but in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who is standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, take and eat, take and eat it. It'll make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth, it'll be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it in my stomach, when I'd eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, as we come to your word again this morning, uh, just as we always do, uh, we're made more acutely aware of it as we're studying Revelation that this is beyond us. Lord, we are little, we are frail, we are fraught with all sorts of misunderstandings and misgivings about who you are and what you tell us in your word. And so I pray that through your Holy Spirit's power, you would come and you would apply this word to our hearts, to every single individual in this room, Lord, that you would give us exactly what we need today to, to know you, to love you, to respond to your love for us. And I ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so uh, in this passage, we'll, we'll get into it, but um, what John is given is this little scroll, the, the word of God, this little thing. Um, and so uh, that's what we're talking about today. As we are, we are here in this world, we are on the island of Patmos um, awaiting Jesus's return. Um, God has given us his word. And uh, if you guys love 
alliteration, and um, if, if you love three-point sermons, you're going to be really excited about this. Uh, so we're going to be talking about the Word and how the Word is, it's actually four points. Um, the Word is sufficient, the Word is sure, the Word is sustaining, and the Word is sending. It's hard for me to say this because I don't usually like that, but it just worked itself out that way to have four S's. So if you like that, you're welcome. It's hard for me. So yeah, the word is sufficient, the word is sure, the word is sustaining, and the word is sending. So, so here we have um, the, the sufficiency of the word. John is on this prison island. He's receiving these visions of these glorious things that are to come, that are even happening now that we cannot see with our physical eyes. So God is blessing him and giving him this vision. And he is showing him all of, all of these amazing things about how his all of his promises are going to be fulfilled. All of what he's said throughout history, through his prophets, through his word, is going to be fulfilled. But John still finds himself here in this prison camp where he is doing hard labor as an old man. And so he is suffering in this place. And then all of a sudden, we see this mighty angel coming down from heaven. And the way that this angel is described is it sounds very glorious, very majestic, very awesome, very much like God himself. Some of the description here, he's wrapped in a cloud, a rainbow over his head, his face like the sun. We, we hear about Jesus talked about like that. Legs like pillars of fire. And so you see this awesome, mighty, powerful being, and he shows up, and John's like, yes. <laughs> I just imagine John thinking, Okay, like if God's saying, hey, I'm here to help you, and he sees this angel, all I could think about this week as I was thinking about this was like the Transformers movies, like Optimus Prime coming out from out of the sky, and John is, is thinking, yes, like I am saved. And he's like, no, no, actually, I'm not sticking around to help you get out of prison. I just brought this, and it's this little scroll. It's this little open scroll, and John's like, are we sure? Maybe you could just stay until we all get out of here and take me somewhere else far, far away from this place. But that's not what the Lord has planned for John, and that's not what the Lord has planned for this chapter in the story. Um, all of God's people from, from the beginning of time until the end when Jesus returns to put everything right, we will endure suffering in this world. There, there is no escaping that. And our endurance of suffering does not mean that God does not love us. It does not mean that God has forgotten about us. It just means that this is what happens when two kingdoms collide. When the kingdom of this world is, is operating as it's wanted to operate, and then the Lord's kingdom comes and is breaking in on this kingdom, there will be resistance, there will be fighting, there will be suffering, there will be pain. And so that is where we find ourselves in the story. It will not always be like this, but it is like this now. And so wherever you find yourself, wherever we find ourselves today, when we're not in this room worshiping the Lord and thinking about these awesome things, the Lord is, is coming to each of us the way that he has come to John here with this little scroll that is the word of God. And he comes, this mighty, powerful being, this, you know, Hebrews 1.14 talks about angels and says they're ministering spirits sent to help God's people. So this awesome being that we would be tempted to worship comes and brings this little scroll to John to minister to him, to endure everything that is going to happen here on earth. 
And at first glance, it is, I mean, it's like the Allen wrench. It's like, it is this little tiny thing. And you think, how, how is this helpful? But in Hebrews, uh, says this about the word of God. It is living. It is active. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. In 2 Timothy, Paul talks about it like this. All scripture is breathed out, is spoken by God himself, and it is good and useful for teaching, for correcting, for reproof, for training in righteousness, that the people of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So, so if you're familiar with the verses that I just read and the way that that's put, don't miss what just got said here. That this little scroll, the word of God, is what we need through the power of the Holy Spirit to be complete. Of all the, all the ways in which we feel incomplete, all the ways that we are out searching for completeness, he's saying this, this is how you are complete. And this is how you are equipped to do every good work that God will call you to. This is how you're equipped to do the things that God calls his people to do. You do not need to have a certain level of intelligence. You do not need to have a certain level of physical strength. You do not need to have a certain level of of physical attractiveness. There is nothing else. No one is disqualified. Every single man, woman, and child who is a person of God, in order to be complete and to do the works that God has created for us to do to carry out his will on this earth, is just this little scroll. It is this little scroll that is the word of God. So it is completely, completely sufficient. There's this strange passage here uh, where it says that when this angel that was so powerful called out and it was like a roaring lion that just shakes you to your core when you hear this. Uh, it said that so the seven thunders responded and this and the seven thunders spoke in a way that John understood because he was about to write it down because God had told him to write down the visions that he was seeing. And this voice from heaven says, no, no, don't write down what the seven thunders said. And so do you guys want to know what the seven thunders said? <laughs> we don't know what that is. But we, also, we have other places in scripture where um, Paul, for instance, talks about having a vision and experiencing God in this really unique way where he is told something and God tells him, yeah, don't, don't tell anybody else that. And so the, the point I think of this being here is that all of the thoughts and counsel of God, all of the answers to all the questions that we have are, are not for us. There are things that are not contained in this little scroll that are, that are not necessary for us to be complete. Um, and that is where uh, we walk by faith. The Lord invites us to ask him questions and to seek and to grow in our understanding. But he's saying, yeah, you don't need to know everything. You just need to know what's necessary and what's good. Because remember, I love you. I am your good shepherd. I've given you everything that is necessary for you to be complete, to have life in me, and to do the things that I'm calling you to do to accomplish my will on this earth. And so the word of God is Sufficient. The word of God is also sure. Uh, verse 5, you see this angel, and he's standing with one foot on the sea and one foot on the island of Patmos, and then he raises his right hand to the sky, to heaven, and he swears 
It says, um, he swore by him who lives forever and ever, that is God who is on the throne, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, the sea and what is in it, that there would be no more delay, but that in the days of the trumpet to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to his servants the prophets. Okay, so if, you, if you've been with us, um, John's had this vision of this scroll that is the, the will of God going forward from the time that Jesus was uh, crucified and resurrected, and that is his will that is to be unfolded for the rest of history, and it was sealed with seven seals, and he talks about how the lamb, the slain lamb, our Jesus came and was the one who was worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals and to reveal God's will to the world. And so then we get this other vision about the seven trumpets, the angel, seven different angels blowing these seven trumpets. And we're sort of in this interlude between the sixth and the seventh trumpets. And so that's what's being referenced here when this angel is swearing that uh, the time, there will not be more delay. Uh, that when it is time, when it's the days for the seventh angel to sound that seventh trumpet, all of God's mystery will be fulfilled. All of, all of what is the will of God for human history will be revealed and everything will be put to right and everything will be complete. And something you need to know about this vision and the, the particular vision that John saw here and what this angel is doing uh, is that it is very reminiscent of something from the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. So when you have time this week, go back and read Daniel chapters 10 and 12 and you will see, most likely, this very same angel appearing to Daniel, who was a beloved child of God who was in exile in Babylon. So another time when God's people were being mistreated and were suffering in a place that was not their own and being held prisoner in a place that they did not want to be, this man Daniel was, was given, he was seeking God and he was saying, Lord, I, I want to know your will. I want to know what you're doing and how to follow you and how to honor you. And so God sends him this mighty angel and he sends him this mighty angel to tell him the things that are about to happen in the future. And this angel stands over this river with someone standing on one side and, and another angelic being standing on the other side and he raises his arms to heaven and swears by the one who sits on the throne that God's will will be accomplished and this is what is coming in the last days. But he tells Daniel at that time, which was many, many, many years before this, seal up what I've given you to write down because it is not for now, it's for the future. And so John would have been very familiar with this passage, as would all the people of God. And so John receives this vision and he is seeing most likely the very same angel that appeared to Daniel all those years ago in the very same way, standing with, you know, symbolically connecting heaven and earth and sea and saying everything, all of creation, everything that has ever been made, heaven and earth and all that fills it is under the sovereign rule of this God who was who is and who is to come. The same God who sent this powerful angel to Daniel is sending this same powerful angel to you to say, I have not forgotten about my promises. I have not forgotten, I have not failed. It is coming. And it was a long time to come in the days of Daniel, and it is not a long time to come in your days, John. And so John would have seen this powerful vision, this powerful angel, who is reminding him that the same God who is, 
who was with Daniel and who's done all these miraculous things in the past and who's telling you all these beautiful, amazing things that are coming in the future is the same God who is present with you right now, even if you cannot always feel it, even if you cannot always see him, he is with you. He is with you, he is with you, he is with you. And so the word of God is sure. Uh, we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago, but in 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter says, God is not slow in fulfilling his promises. God is not slow in fulfilling his promises. We attach timelines to God's word and believe that if they don't happen by a certain time, then he must be wrong. But Peter's saying, don't do that. God is never slow in fulfilling his promises. He is patiently enduring because he desires that all would come to faith. The Lord is perfectly just and perfectly merciful. And how those two things fit together in some ways is a deep, deep mystery. But in other ways, we see it in this, in his timing. As we've walked through all this, this um, the judgments of God and, and him bringing justice to earth at the end of all things, we see all these gaps and all these uh, what seem like delays and all these, all these pauses where he is calling out, he's sending his word out to say, please come and return to me so that you are not crushed by my wrath for your sin. Please put it down and come back to me. And what you will find is a loving father who is waiting to receive you. Please come back and receive my love and my grace and my mercy. But make no mistake, he is coming and his word is true and his promises will all be fulfilled. And so that, that brings us to this, this next part of the passage, the last uh, few verses here, starting in verse eight. The word of God is sustaining. Because again, we find ourselves in a place where, where everything is not right. Everything is not as it should be. And so this is where John was. This is where we are. And the same voice from heaven that told him to seal up what the thunder said, don't talk about that, tells him to go and take this little scroll that is open in the hand of the angel. And so he does. He goes to the angel and the angel gives it to him. And he says, take and eat it. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And when he tells him to eat this scroll, this is uh, the same thing that was told to Ezekiel in the Old Testament, also to Jeremiah in the Old Testament. These were prophets. These were God's prophets who God would speak to, and they would speak to the people of God. And they were told to eat this. And, and so the connotation from this, to, to take this and to eat it, is one, it's, it's the initiative of you go and take this, you go and take this and take it into yourself. And when you eat it, you digest it, you make it a part of you. you. You eat all of this down into your very being and this becomes you. Does that make sense? Like this is how you're to receive the word of God. You are to go take it, he is giving it to you, but you have to go in your initiative and take it. And you have to digest it. You have to meditate upon it. You have to, to Take it down into yourself until it becomes a very part of you, until it becomes the very core of who you are. And then all of your life, everything that is coming out is born out of this foundation that is the word of God, of what is true and what is right and what is good. And so he is told to take and eat this um, because the word of God is sustaining. There is this... this um, 
prophecy from the book of Isaiah in chapter 50, that I'm going I'm to read some for us, that is, is talking about Jesus, is talking about the Savior who would come. And it says this, this is Jesus speaking. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. There's, you know, in, in scripture talking about how Jesus is the very word of God. He is the word of God incarnate. He is the, the perfect servant of his father. He is the one who is the perfect reflection and the perfect image of God. And so all that he says, all that he does, all that he is, is the perfect reflection and image of God. And so it is, it is through this Jesus, it is through our Jesus, who is our savior and our shepherd and our king, who knows how to sustain us with a very word, with the word of God. Again, pointing back to the sufficiency of this word of God is, is this is all you need. This will not end all of your suffering because that is not God's will for us right now. But this is all that you need to be sustained, to be comforted, to be encouraged, to be corrected, to be uh, complete, and to be able to do the very things that God's called you to do with the days that you have on this earth. Uh, and then the word of God is uh, sending. And so you have this juxtaposition here. The angel is, is kind of warning John and saying, when you eat this scroll, it will be sweet in your mouth. It will taste wonderful. And what he's saying there is you will be able to recognize that this is good. Like that all of God's word is good. Who he is and what he does and his plan for human history, it is all beautiful and perfect and wonderful and right and just and merciful and wise and all the things that God is. His word and his will is a, is a reflection of all the things that he is. And so there is no bad taste. It, is all, it all tastes sweet because it is all good. Because he is good and his will is good. But when you eat it, it will make your stomach bitter. And what he means by that is the playing out, as we've already seen from studying the book of Revelation, as we've already seen from our own lives, as how we follow Jesus in this world, um, there will be pain. It will be bitter because he is calling you to, it says in this last verse, um, you must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. And so what John is being told, and in a way what we are being told here, um, is this word is for you. It's for you to digest and make a part of you, and it will sustain you, and it will give you everything you need. But this word is also for others through you. You are to eat it and digest it, and then it is, it is going to pour out of your life. It is going to pour out of your words and your actions and the way that you engage with the world. And it makes me think of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. That's what's happening is his word in us is coming out to the world. And as we've already seen through Revelation, that we're going to get mixed results. We're going to get mixed responses because there are those um, who are destined to hear God's word through us and through our brothers and sisters around the world, and they're going to be cut to the heart, and they are going to repent, and they're going to say, I 
am a sinner and I am in need of a savior and Jesus is that savior and they're going to run to him and cling to him because of this good news of new life in Jesus that we are bringing to the world. And then there are those who will not. There are those who will mock and who will fight against and and that's not for us to know who's going to do what. It's for us to go out with the word the way that the Lord has called us to. And so he's telling John, even here on this prison island, you still have uh, much to say about my word to the world. And some will receive it, but some will not. And it will be painful. And you sharing my word uh, and you living my word in this world, you will encounter pain and you will encounter suffering. And even so, it is good. Even so, it is good because the will of God is good. The plan of God is good. God himself is good. And so this is the call that is on our lives as we follow him and as John is following him. And there's a way in which prophetically this was spoken to John and it was spoken to all of us. Like you still have a lot to say to the people that you find yourselves around. You know, this was, this was just a, another way to reframe and restate uh, Jesus's uh, mission on our lives in the Great Commission at the end of Matthew's Gospel. Go and make disciples of, of all nations. Go everywhere. Everywhere that I'm sending my people, go to those places and let these people know about the love of God in Christ. It's, a, it's just another way to, to restate this mission of what it is to be following Jesus in this world. And so I want to read the rest of this passage from Isaiah 50. And I want us to think about it in terms of, of what this looks like in our own life. So you're welcome to go there if you want to. Isaiah 50, verses 4 through 10. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with a word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I did not turn backward. I gave my back to those who strike, my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So that's the gospel, is that Jesus is the one spoken of here that Jesus is the one who is the perfect servant of God, the very son of God put on flesh, come to earth to obey him perfectly, to live a perfectly just and good and righteous life so that he could receive the punishment due for our sins into himself and sin could be, our sin could be dealt with because if he was not perfect, then he, he would have to just die for his own sins and he would not be able to die for ours. But the one who is God and the one who is man, the one who is fully man who can identify with us, but the one who is fully God that death cannot hold, came and lived a perfect life and took all of our sins upon himself 
and died, so sin was dealt with, perfect justice was carried out on him for us so that we could live, and then he was raised from the dead because he is God and death cannot hold him. And so now he lives forever, and now we live forever because of what he's done on our behalf. And so this very one who has lived this perfect life, who's come to earth with this message, the mystery of God that will be fulfilled, the the good news of God's love for his people in Jesus, has come and he's shared that good news, but he's also lived that good news. And he's made it so. And the perfect fulfillment of everything that Jesus had accomplished on the cross is coming. We do not realize it in its fullness today, but when Jesus returns, we will. And as Jesus is spoken about here in this prophecy, um, he followed God in declaring this message with his words and his life, even when it hurt, even in the face of suffering and death. And he did not fear because he knew that God was with him. And if God is with me, who can stand against me? God is accomplishing his good will, even if it brings me pain. And all those who oppose God will wear out. But all of those who are in Christ will live forever. So let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. So this message is going out even now, right now. And anyone who is not in Christ, this message is for you. And so what what is... um, pressing is that uh, not, if you are someone who is not in Christ, then um, consider these things and consider these ultimate things. And I would advise you not to judge the truth of these things by what other people have to say, but to read this word for yourself and decide for yourself. Because we're, we're dealing with ultimate things here. And it would, it would behoove you to um, take that very seriously and see for yourself from him, from his word, not what other people have to say or not what you've experienced from other people who claim to speak in his name. And for those of us who are in Christ, for those of us who find ourselves living on this prison island, so to speak, um, and we're asking the Lord, what, Lord what, what do we do now? What do we do as we await your return? Um, the same word comes to us that came to John. Is, t- is take this scroll and eat it. Let it be your very life. Let it transform you from the inside out. Let me, through my Holy Spirit, do this mighty work in you through this word. And then you come and you bring this word. You prophesy. That word prophesy, um, one, one working definition we could have for that is to speak the things of God by the Spirit of God. To tell the truth about spiritual things about God by the power of the Holy Spirit, not by our own power. And so he's saying, you go, and as you go, I'm going to lead you. And as you go, I'm going to make your life intersect with the lives of men, women, and children who do not know me. And not in a wooden, um, everyone's got like this, this vision in their mind of like um, people walking up to strangers and saying, if you die tonight, do you know where you go? And I know that the Lord's used that, but I, yeah. So uh, it's not, it doesn't have to look like that, and it doesn't look like that. He works through us skillfully and spiritually in love, 
in the lives of the people that we are around. And, and every time we prophesy doesn't mean we have to attach a Bible verse to it. Because we can speak the truth of God and the things of God without quoting scripture. So, so this does happen in, in settings where someone may ask you, will you tell me about what you believe about God? And then we can open scripture together. But this also happens in a million little settings all the time where nobody necessarily knows that, that what you are counseling them with is the word of God. And he's saying, remember, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are moving in and out of the flow of your everyday life and the people's lives that I've put you in the midst of to speak this truth of this mystery of the love of God in Christ that will be fulfilled to the world that is hurting and lost and dying. And you will be opposed. You will suffer because of it. And it's worth it because some will listen and some will be saved. And some will come to faith and some will experience new life in Christ and some will become your brothers and sisters to enjoy this God who has loved us and given himself for us for all eternity. So yes, there is a cost, but this is what I'm calling you to and it's worth it. It's worth it not just for those who come to faith, it's worth it for the glory of the God who has created and sustains everything by word the glory of a God who would come and give himself so that we could have life. The glory of a God who would turn enemies into friends and sons and daughters. This word has to go out, not just for the sake of those who don't know him, but for his sake, so that the world may know who this God is who has created and sustains and carries to the end of his beautiful, perfect will. One, one specific application I, I want to share before we close here is um, I think something that eats us alive is uh, fear, fear of what other people think. And I think something that eats us alive is judging how things are going based on the face of the person in front of us. And, and what God is saying in his word here and in this passage from Isaiah is that um, when you bring the most beautiful, perfect news to the world, some will hate you for it. Some will reject you, but you are not the one who's being rejected. It is God is being rejected. It is the word of God that's being rejected. So I want to say a couple of things about that. One, um, remember this, that to be rejected in some form or fashion does not mean that you have done something wrong. In fact, it may mean that you're doing everything exactly the way you should. And to be rejected in the moment, in a conversation, is not to say the word of God, remember, is living and active. That may be what needed to happen in that moment, but that may be this like thing that just sinks down into this person and starts to grow fruit without them even knowing it. And they may come back as I've had experiences and as I've done to other people uh, and thank you later because the Lord is continuing to work in their lives through what got shared. Now, I also wanna say it is very important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and not run around the world with the Bible as a, a giant hammer 
smashing everything you come into contact with. Because that's not wise, and that's not loving. But it is being attentive to the Holy Spirit in us as the Holy Spirit is leading us into conversations and relationships, giving us opportunities that we have to be listening in real time and following him in real time to be obedient to him. And so as we go, um, we do not grade ourselves, so to speak, based on how we feel or how the people we're around feel. We grade ourselves based on like, Lord, what are you inviting me to do? What are you calling me to do? And am I saying yes to you? And then we watch as he does all the work. We watch as he brings people to himself in ways that we can never imagine. But I want to spend a a few moments here and just have a time of silent reflection. Um, And one of the things I want us to think about is where um, we may be fearing other people's opinions of us and even our own opinions of ourselves more than uh, the Lord. Father, you have given us life and you have given us the words of life. Lord, your word is sure. Lord, you, you will always keep your promises. And Jesus, you have invited us to follow you in laying ourselves down so that others could have life. And you are calling us to respond to your Holy Spirit in us, to be those who proclaim your truth with our lives and with our words. And so now, Lord, we just give you this time to speak to us, uh, whatever it is you want to say to us, Lord, but uh, I pray that you would continue to mature us and make us useful um, to this mission that you've called us on and also to uh, deeply encourage us with your love for us. Father, uh, strengthen us with your word, even now as we sing it back to you in worship. In Jesus' name, amen.